Hello, my lovely listeners. I'm Dr. Mary Barson. And I'm Dr. Lucy Burns. Welcome to this episode of Real Health and Weight Loss. Good morning, gorgeous ones. I am here with the most wonderful person, Dr. Mary, who I just love, love, love. And I think it's important to say on Valentine's how much I love her. Welcome, gorgeous girl. (laughs) Hello, my dear friend, Dr. Lucy. I love you too. I do. And I also hope that you are loving yourself this Valentine's Day. Well, certainly with your prompting, I am. I am. And I thought this would be a wonderful topic for us to be talking about on Valentine's Day because for lots of us, self-love, loving yourself, those two phrases feel a bit like, in fact, even now, even though I'm accepting that this is important, I have this little just funny little feeling going up my spine about that phrase. So I thought it would be great to talk about that today and just help our little brains move into accepting that this is a really important concept. It is really important. I believe that the fastest way to good health is to love yourself well. And Culturally, as an Australian woman, self-love feels a bit weird. You know, growing up, certainly in our culture and I think many cultures around the world, it wasn't really okay to – it was considered bragging if you discussed your accomplishments. You needed to um, be pretty quiet about the things that you were good at, particularly as a girl, particularly as a woman. And if you didn't, people would say in a derogatory way, she loves herself or she's got tickets on herself. Like this was a really bad thing. And this still haunts me to this day. And I think it's a really unhelpful story. Oh, I totally agree. You, It's like you, you're not allowed to be too much. You know, if you were mm-hmm. as a confident female, that would be the thing. Oh, God, she loves herself. Or as a girl who or a woman who, who perhaps takes care of herself and spends some time, you know, on her appearance. Again, people go, oh, my God, look at her. She's so up herself. That was another phrase. And it's really, it's conditioning. It was rarely a confident bloke, confident boy, a confident man. He didn't have tickets. He was just confident. Isn't it good? He's so confident. But a woman was like, oh, people felt threatened by confident females. Yes. And again, that's conditioning. And it has a really harmful legacy because I see lots of beautiful women now who fundamentally don't believe that they deserve to be healthy, that they don't deserve to put themselves first or to invest time and energy in their health because it's not okay to love yourself. Whereas I actually think not only is it okay, it's vital to love yourself. And Dr. Lucy, I would love to spend some time today talking about you know, what self-love is and how we can all start moving towards loving ourselves well. Ah, absolutely. And look, most of you lovelies know that I love a good analogy, I love a good story, and I love a good story that involves dogs. 
So I did write a blog post a couple of years ago about self called self love and whippets, but I, I will tell you the story now so that you don't actually have to read it. So the self love and whippet story goes like this: you know, there's a lady and she's got a dog. She's been really busy, you know, busy at work, busy running around with the kids. She's taken a few shortcuts on looking after her dog. Maybe bought it some sort of prepackaged processed food that is cheap at the supermarket. Hasn't had time to walk it. And she notices that the dog's a bit, is limping a bit. So she takes the dog off to the vet and, you know, the vet looks at her and he goes, oh, you know, your dog's okay, but he's not really thriving. He's, his coat's a bit dull. His eyes are a bit dull. His skin's a bit flaky. And he's got a little bit of arthritis in this front leg, which is why he's limping. And look, he's, he's probably a bit overweight. You know, it's probably time to just take a little, you know, better care of the dog. And the woman, of course, feels a bit guilty as women do, but she goes, all right, okay. So she starts to make looking after the dog a priority. And so on the way home, she does a bit of research and buys the dog some good quality food. And she, she knows she can't even find the lead. It's been that long since she walked the dog. So she buys him a new lead and a new collar. And she starts off just taking him for a little gentle walk down to the end of her driveway and back because he's a bit limpy and, you know, we don't need to flog him. And she notices that she, over a couple of weeks, when she's doing this every single day, that the dog starts moving more freely. His coat starts to glow. His eyes are sparkling again. His skin's better. Yeah, and he's, he's lost a little bit of weight along the way. And she also notices that he can walk further. And so he is so excited to be going out on this walk, as you can imagine dogs are. And over a couple of weeks, you know, it turns into a couple of months. And this dog now runs down the driveway, goes to the park. He's leaping around the park. He's catching the frisbee. He's the happiest, most thriving dog ever. And she goes back to the vet because, you know, they had to have a three-month checkup and the vet's going, oh, my God, look, yes, this, this dog's had a transformation. He's beautiful. Look how healthy he is. And the dog's happy and the woman's happy. And everyone's really pleased with the result. And, you know, he didn't need any medication for his joints and, you know, very, very happy, healthy dog. Now, the reason that this dog was able to thrive was because the woman loved it and looked after it. She never once wished that this dog was something else. I wish my dog wasn't overweight. I wish my dog was just a whippet that would just be thin without me having to do anything. But that's a lot of the time what we hope as humans. We look at our bodies and we, we look at them with disgust and hatred, wishing that we were somehow transformed into thinness because that is apparently a marker of beauty in our society which, you know, Dr. Mary and I vehemently disagree with. But trying to recognize that you can transform your health. Yes, you'll lose a few kilos along the way. And we do know that many of our beautiful followers, listeners, members have significant weight to lose, and that's fine. They do it, no, not by hating themselves or wishing they were different, but by accepting who they are, and recognizing that there are steps they need to do to change what they're doing and the result, the side effect, if you like. Yeah, will be weight loss, but most importantly, will be better health. I love that story. Yep. We don't all need to be whippets to be worthy. <laughs> Absolutely. 
no matter where we are with our health, no matter what size our bodies are right now in this moment, we are worthy. You, beautiful listener, are worthy of good health and self-love. And if the idea of loving yourself is just icky and too difficult to embrace right now, that's fine. That's fine. You can give yourself time to step into that space. It is always what we do that matters most. And I I have this framework in my mind about how we get well, how we balance our metabolism, how we heal the underlying cause of metabolic disease of which you know being overweight or obese can be a symptom of metabolic disease and how we can manage our beautiful minds so that we stay well. And I think of it as nourishing and nurturing. And the parallels between pet care are excellent because those of us who have pets, or perhaps you could also extend this to children, is you know we want the best for our beautiful fluffy ones and children. We want them to be healthy. We want them to be happy. And we nourish them with food and we nurture them as well. And this is what we should do to ourselves. So you are worthy of health. And how you can step into the health and the self-love is to nourish your body, nourish your body with really good food, good fuel. For me, eating is wonderful, delicious, enjoyable, and an act of self-love. I nourish my body with delicious, real food. And because I have got um, insulin resistance, because I've got polycystic ovarian syndrome in remission, but it's still there in my genetics, I nourish my body with low-carbohydrate, real food. It's amazing. It's delicious. It serves me. It keeps me well. That's the nourishing component. I also need to nurture myself though, because it's not all about food. Definitely not. Actually, the nurturing is even more important. This is like, you know, the like the self-parenting, if you like. And I nurture my mind by being kind to myself. I nurture myself by essentially self-parenting. So I put in, you know, boundaries. I'm firm but fair with myself. I put in boundaries around, you know, what I do and I don't do in a really loving and kind way. And I look at my thoughts, I analyze them with self-kindness and I'm able to question my thoughts. And by unlocking the stories in my head that drive me to want the ice cream chips, chocolate, sugar, all of those unhelpful foods, by kindly analyzing them, meeting myself with kindness, I'm able to sort of nurture my mind back to that beautiful nourishment. And this combination of nourish and nurture really helps me stay on track. And I also nurture my body in a kind and loving way with movement. I think that moving my body is a lovely thing to do to nurture it. And for me also, intermittent fasting is a beautiful act of nurturing. I never ever use fasting as a punishment. I never say, oh my Lord, I ate that tub of Ben and Jerry's. I better fast tomorrow to make up for it. Absolutely not. That is quite a toxic thought mistake, I think. 
instead for me intermittent fasting is about giving my body a rest about allowing all of these beautiful healing mechanisms to turn on about letting my body flick naturally into the fasted state when all of these beautiful changes happen in my metabolism which are really really healthy and when I balance the fasted state with the fed state when I go and eat my beautiful meals it optimizes my healing and my nourishment all of this requires self-parenting self-love nourishing and nurturing Uh, I totally love that I love that completely and I I think you're absolutely right things like fasting I mean that fasting is an action and sometimes people go it's it's cruel it's punishing but it, it all depends on the motivation behind it so if you're doing it as a punishment for what you ate you know you're right but if you're doing it as an act of Self and self love again. Here we go. As I'm saying it, my there's a little bit of vomit coming up in my mouth yeah. because that <laughs> phrase just still, even as a person who who constantly practices it, it feels. Ugh. But even if we used that word acceptance, maybe if if the self love word feels too hard, but it is this idea. It's like if you've got a pet, of which I have several billion pets, <laughs> I don't just give them free access to their food cupboard. You know, they just gorge themselves. So there is some loving limits put on the access to their food. And I'm going to just put in a little slight, slight bit of controversy here. Uh, for people who are often worried about food wastage, lots of people will give their leftover food to their dog. And <laughs> this is a slight deviation, but actually your dog's not the bin either. So there is lots of stuff that we're feeding our dogs that are not that helpful or healthful for the dog. Maybe we'll get a vet on one day to chat about that. But it is, again, it's this idea that you can be firm, firm with your pet. There are guidelines and boundaries that we have for our dog. We don't just let them roam free around the street. We don't just say to the dog, oh, off you go, take yourself for a walk. Like we've got parenting, if you like, that we do for our pet. And we need to do the same thing for ourselves but we do it in a beautiful, loving, kind way. You can have kind, nurturing boundaries that are not punitive and ridiculous. And when I say ridiculous, it's the ridiculousness comes from the talk you accompany those boundaries with. You know, if you're saying to yourself, well, you can only eat between the hours of 12 and 6 because you're a fat, disgusting pig, mm, that's not helpful. <laughs> but if you're saying to, to yourself... Oh, you go, you go, Mess. You say, because you'll have a beautiful, kind one. (laughs) (laughs) Compared to today, I'm going to eat between the hours of 12 and 6 because it is going to be a beautiful rest for my body. I'm going to turn on all of these beautiful, healthy, healing metabolic pathways. It is going to be a wonderful act of self care. Sure, it might be a bit challenging. I might feel a bit of hunger. I think I can do it. If for some reason it's not working and I don't feel like it's going well, then no worries. I can just break the fast and try again later. But fasting is an act of self-care and that's what I'm going to do today. Yes, I love that. I love that. Completely different. And as you all know, beautiful people, you cannot hate yourself thin. So if you find your self-talk, just tune into it. If you find that you're always calling yourself stupid or hopeless or ugly or fat or any of those words that we've often been conditioned, 
then just gently notice them. Again, you don't need to berate yourself for doing them because that's the other thing when people go, oh my God, I'm so mean to myself. I'm so freaking hopeless. So it's just another opportunity to be mean to yourself. Actually just notice them. And and the thing about these is that it's often conditioning. Again, conditioning because just as we've heard you know, in childhood, the slur was, oh, they've, they love themselves. They've got tickets on themselves. The other judgmental slurs that people did was, oh, my God, they're so fat. They're so ugly. They're so blah, blah. So it's okay to recognize that these thoughts are in your mind. You're not your thoughts. A thought is just a connection between two nerve cells. When it's repeated many times in your mind, it becomes a fairly, you know, fixed thought. You can change your thoughts at any time. Yes. I can remember as a teenager on music camp, music's always been a big part of my life. We were in the common room at this camp and some boys were reading some, you know, men's magazines, um, you know, kind of very like low-grade pornography, books that weren't entirely inappropriate for teenage kids, but they certainly shouldn't have had them at music camp. And all of these bikini models in these provocative poses and these boys then just turning and looking at me as I was literally sitting there tuning my violin going, God, why can't you look like that? And I felt this shame, you know, Um, here I was, you know, working on unimportant things like, you know, my violin playing skills when really what I needed to do was to be this um this gorgeous fake tanned bikini model and that's that is literally what I thought even now I can still feel that kind of that flash of shame is still there and I thought that way for a long time and I certainly have been exceedingly good at hating my body for a long time but I don't anymore I absolutely don't I have changed my thoughts by thinking the thought over and over again that I am bloody fantastic just the way I am. You think that thought long enough and it becomes real, becomes your belief. Absolutely. And I just love that, Mares. You're right. You are bloody fantastic. I do love that I am enough movement. Again, it's that tricky, um, the I am enough sentence on its own doesn't quite make sense to me because nobody actually just walks around going, I'm enough. But I like the bit that you can actually put something in in before it. I'm good enough. I'm beautiful enough. I'm happy enough. I'm lovely enough. I think that that can be a good step as well to, you know, if you can't sort of bring yourself to go, I love myself. It's interesting because I completely relate to what you're saying. I was always a tall girl at school. So I was the tallest in my year for ever and was always in the middle at the back and for most of my growing up childhood I was told I was a big girl oh you're a big girl and I guess I I probably was I was bigger than the other girls but certainly in Australia big was also a euphemism for fat and so my brain just heard I'm a fat girl up until not that long ago I just thought I'm just one of those fat girls And it's really interesting how that shaped then what I needed to do in order for what I thought was to be acceptable to my colleagues, peers, cohort, boys, all of those people, which was to obviously be smaller because big was unacceptable. Even to the point, and I think I may have mentioned this, I've certainly talked to you about it, Mares, that I would cram my feet 
into smaller shoes because I'm tall. I have big feet. Makes sense. But, you know, in my mind, a size nine and a half shoe, I'm actually 10, was very unacceptable. And an eight and a half was much more acceptable. So I just crammed the feet into, and I would then go and buy some sort of leather stretcher, you know, like all of these things to fit into some shoe company's decision on <laughs> what the size of female feet should be. <laughs> yes, these years of stories are there, beautiful woman. And it's okay that they're there. And now, as you have done, you excellent human, realise that these stories, we have them for a reason, but they're not helpful and we don't need them anymore. And we can let them go and we can write new stories for us right here, right now that are helpful and empower us to just make the most of this extremely precious life that we have and not waste time worrying about how we look in a bikini and what size our shoes are and be healthy. Absolutely. Work towards good health because that is maximizing your precious life, but not worry about how you look. I know, I know. It's so now look back and think, oh my God. So I think for lots of people, one of the things that we will suggest is if you can't quite bring yourself to that, you know, loving yourself entirely, because I know people will go, but I still hate my legs. Okay. Then what we do is we really focus on the bits that you, that you're happy with, that you find acceptable. Start with that. That's a good starting point. Because again, think about our brains. Our brains love focusing on our shortcomings and minimizing our wonderful feet, you know, good features. So why don't we reverse that and focus on our, you know, beautiful points. And over time, we just minimize what we consider to be our shortcomings. And remember, you're the boss of you. So you get to decide what your shortcomings are, not what some bloody girly magazine for, you know, pubescent boys decides. <laughs> yeah. I like my green eye colour and my eyelashes a lot. What about you, Lucy? What do you like about yourself? Uh, you know, I actually love my teeth. So You have excellent teeth. Yeah. I do have excellent <laughs> teeth. I've been very lucky. They, they managed, you know, to just form in a way that didn't need any braces or anything, which is beautiful. But they're also very functional. As loving my teeth, it means I can care for them. It doesn't take very long. I do like to brush them. Part of loving my teeth means that I'm now a little more proactive with flossing. That was something I never did. In fact, I would just, as I'm walking to the bathroom, my, my thought would be, I hate flossing. Oh, God, I hate flossing. Why would, Why did anybody floss? It's been all this, well, no, I'm not going to say I spent a lot of time, like maybe four or five thoughts fleeted in about it until I just went, hmm. Flossing takes an extra 30 seconds and will help me look after my thing, an asset, help me look after my asset, which is my teeth. And I think if we look at our health as an asset and it's valuable, extremely valuable, like so valuable, then we go, okay, well, I need to look after this valuable asset. I love it. <laughs> Good. I was thinking, what do I do to look after my eyes? Just all the things. <laughs> yeah. Well, you go get them checked. I do. I do. Yep. And again, that's a good a good thing. It's part of self-care, isn't it? Self-care is not always fun. It's like going to appointments. It's sometimes a boring. But, you know, we all have to do that because we're grown-ups. Good. Now, beautiful people, 
We've got a fabulous, um, we've, we've made, we've designed a lovely hypnosis for you guys, a guided hypnosis that you can download that will help you both nourish and nurture your body. Absolutely. And, you know, we, we use the hypnosis a lot. It is incredibly powerful. But lots of people are a bit fearful of it, understandably. You don't want to be, you know, clucking like a chicken on a stage. It's different. It's not that. This is obviously done by us. And we, we want to give you a little taste of the goodness that comes from a hypnosis. So you can download this beautiful hypnosis. Uh, we will send it to your inbox. Just go to rlmedicine.com forward slash nurture. All little letters, all one word. Perfect. And beautifuls. On this gorgeous Valentine's Day, just spend a few minutes loving on yourself. You're blooming, beautiful, worthy, and fabulous people. Goodbye, beautiful humans. Love yourself this Valentine's Day. So, my lovely listeners, that ends this episode of Real Health and Weight Loss. I'm Dr. Lucy Burns. And I'm Dr. Mary Barson. We're from Real Life Medicine. To contact us, please visit rlmedicine.com. And until next time, thanks thanks for for listening. listening. The information shared on the Real Health and Weight Loss podcast, including show notes and links, provides general information only. It is not a substitute, nor is it intended to provide individualized medical advice, diagnosis or treatment, nor can it be construed as such. Please consult your doctor for any medical concerns.